Do you ever find that you have your best learning conversations with your colleagues off the record and over a cup of tea? We do and we want to share them. I'm Claire Lancaster and I'm the Educational Psychologist at Tanglin Trust School. And I'm Benina Richards and I'm the Director of Continuous Professional Development at Tanglin. Welcome to Growth and Development. This week, Claire and I are recording our podcast from our respective homes as we are still in circuit breaker here in Singapore due to COVID-19. So the sound sounds a little different, then that's why, but fingers crossed, we've managed to sort out the technology and hopefully we'll be able to record our podcast as usual. The focus for Mental Health Week in the UK, which was the Mental Health Week that we follow, was sleep previously, which I have to say I was very excited about. But due to the worldwide situation with COVID, it has now changed to kindness. And we thought that this would be a really exciting topic for us to do a bit of research and reading around and share with everybody who's listening. This also fitted in really well with the Singapore kindness movement. And it is Kindness Day in Singapore on Friday, the 22nd of May. And they would like everyone to wear yellow. So if you've got remote lessons or remote meetings on Friday, um, wear yellow. Um, and I guess do your best to be kind. Get involved. But first of all, Benina, what does it mean to be kind? What are we talking about when we say that? So it's a, it's a good question, Claire. And I've been doing some research into exactly what we mean by kindness. And I think young children are a good place to start with this, um, especially in infant and junior schools. We talk a lot to children about what it means to be kind. And from the perspective of young children, this really falls into four categories. The first is offering physical help. So helping a student who has fallen over. Um, the second is providing emotional help. So that might be comforting your friends, checking that somebody is okay. The third one, which we definitely emphasize a lot in school is including others. So that might be inviting somebody to play with you um, or to be part of your group. Um, and then the final one, which we also emphasize a lot, is sharing. Um, and I think even as adults, those four categories work really well. So the physical, the emotional, being inclusive and sharing what we have. If that's what it is, Claire, um, you're the person who's got all the knowledge about the brain. What's actually going on in our brains um, or in our bodies when we are being kind? Well, it's pretty amazing, actually, the power that kindness has. I think we can all recognise from experience that if somebody does something kind for us or to us, we feel good, we feel better. We may feel comforted or we may feel physically better or, or included, like you're saying, in your, your categories there. Um, but we also know that when we do something kind, we often feel better ourselves as well. And one of the reasons for that is because of the, the kind of chemicals and hormones that are released 
um, for us and for the receiver when we do something kind. So we get an increase in serotonin, which is essentially the chemical that makes us feel happy. So it makes us feel happier and calmer, but also physically, um, higher levels of serotonin can actually help you heal faster from wounds. Oh, wow. So if, if we're kind to people, then we could actually heal faster. Yeah, I mean, I'm not convinced that you could heal a broken leg by being <laughs> kind to everyone around you, but it's just a pretty cool fun fact to know. Yeah. Um, I think another cool thing about the serotonin levels is that it boosts the serotonin in the, in the giver, the person who's being kind, it boosts the serotonin of the receiver, and it boosts the serotonin of everyone who sees it. So it's not just having an impact on the two people involved in that moment of kindness. So when people say that kindness is contagious, it really is contagious. It absolutely is. And one of the really cool things about it is that um, when people witness other people being kind, it increases the likelihood that they will then go on and be kind themselves. So one act of kindness can actually create a ripple effect and it really is contagious. Wow. So good motivation there to be kind. Absolutely. I think some other things which are really cool, um, it releases a high level of endorphins in our brain, which are like our natural painkillers. Um, and some studies suggest that the endorphins that are released by kindness are actually more effective than morphine. Oh, wow. So, you know, not only is it helping us heal faster, potentially, it's helping us feel better while we're healing. It also increases oxytocin, which you might have heard of. It's the love hormone. Um, so it improves bonding and relationship aspects. Um, so it can increase um, behaviours like trust or generosity. It also calms us. And it's also been shown to have benefits for the immune system. So it sounds like kindness is really good for our health. Yeah, yeah, generally. It's also been linked to lower levels of cortisol, which are, is the stress hormone. And it's also been shown to increase DHEA, so it can slow our ageing as well. So there's lots of studies out there which show that being kind reduces our stress, our anxiety and our depression. But there does seem to be all of these physical health links as well. So lots and lots of reasons to think about being kind and to practice being kind. I'm, I'm already convinced, Claire. Um, yeah. I, I definitely... If it's going to make me healthier, give me less wrinkles, I'm I'm keen to be more, as kind as I can be. Well, why wouldn't you be, right? <laughs> okay, but why is it important during COVID-19, do you think? Well, I think, you know, the situation at the moment is really unusual. And when we are forced out of our normal routines, I think that we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves and I don't know about you but but especially at the moment there seems to be this impression that because we're at home we should be um, being creative and reading books and exercising more and being healthy and doing all those things that we don't get done in normal life and yeah, I've seen a few of those memes you know if you haven't done x y or z it's not that you lack time it's that you lack motivation and they they really get to me actually yeah and I think actually I don't think it's helpful I, I think it does the opposite of all the things that you've just said I think it increases stress um and 
I really think the only thing that we can prioritize right now is being kind to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And got me thinking about um, a visitor we had into school in August. So we had um, a guy in called Clive Leach, who's an expert in positive psychology. And one of the things that he talked about with staff is this idea of letting go of perfection. And occasionally in life, not all the time, but occasionally a little bit of what we might call coasting is is actually really healthy, that we don't always need to be striving. Um, And I would say, you know, in this particular situation at the moment, be kind to yourself. And if that means a little bit of coasting where really, you know, you, you're able to look after yourselves, look after your families, manage to, you know, get dressed, eat breakfast, lunch and dinner and do some schoolwork and some work as well. I think you're probably doing quite well. Yeah, I would I'd absolutely agree. I think it's really important that we're not pushing for perfection all the time that we give ourselves permission to take our foot off the accelerator um, at this point, especially now. Um, I think that we've got to recognise how much stress COVID-19 has put on the world and that that translates onto us. And so these messages about you should be achieving X are not very helpful. So we all we all have this voice inside our heads and very often we allow this voice to speak to us in a mean or a harsh or critical way that we would never think about speaking to one of our friends and that in fact we would never allow somebody else to speak to us but for some reason this little voice can say the most horrible things and I think especially during times like this it's really important to try and keep a lid on that and to stay in control and turn that self-talk into something kind. I completely agree. So trying to speak kindly to ourselves give ourselves kind messages and trying to quieten that critical voice that so many of us have in our heads I think is really important just now. So the other thing I want to talk about Claire I want you to share with the people who are listening is one of the ways that um, you changed my life by reminding me that my present self um the actions of my present self can really do my future self a favour. So can you just explain to everybody what I'm talking about? Okay, so this is a a division that I absolutely love. Um, Daniel Goldstein has a TED Talk on it. Um, And it's basically the division between your past self, your present self and your future self. And I think we've all been in situations where our present self is cursing our past self because we didn't do something that we should have. We didn't prepare something or get something ready or we forgot something or messed up. Um, And I think we've also all been in a situation where our present self should do something for our future self, like get something ready or prepare something or do something carefully. And our present self can't be bothered. So then when our future self gets there, it's a bit of a mess. And of course, by that point, our future self is then our present self and we're annoyed at our past self. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all a bit confusing. But I think essentially when we're thinking about being kind to ourselves right now, um, it's about recognising that sometimes we need to be kind to our future self by doing something in the present, which isn't necessarily always the same as being kind 
um, to our present self. Sometimes we got to do something that we can't be bothered with or that we don't really feel like doing or that might be really annoying or irritating. But if we know that doing it now, that's a kindness for our future self, then it's really, really valuable. I honestly think about this all the time since you told me it. The number of times where I'm sat at my desk and I'm struggling to be motivated and I sit there and I think, come on, present self. Be kind to future self. Get this done. Um, and it does really help. Um, and recently, I think just like you said, I think sometimes it's about taking action, intentional action to make sure that you are kind to your future self. So recently, for various reasons, for the past couple of nights, I haven't actually been sleeping very well. And I think part of that has been not stopping work, not having a sort of good break between the end of the day between stopping work and sort of relaxing, being on my phone too late at night, um, essentially just being way too engaged too late on into the evening. And it's re- I don't function very well on low sleep. So last night, I really took a conscious decision to be kind to my future self. I turned my phone off at six o'clock, which I have to say, embarrassingly, was really difficult. The temptation mm-hmm. at about nine o'clock to just have a quick check yeah of messages is quite high I didn't watch any television I went to bed I read I did all the things that I know helped me sleep and today I feel so much better for it so I'm I'm very grateful to past self uh for have for, for doing those things and I think it's just like I said a good reminder that we have agency and that if we are kind to ourselves our friends are kind to ourselves that we can really sort of change our situation Yeah, I think you just said something there, though, that's so important and so key in this when we're thinking about our past, present and future selves is taking a moment to be thankful to your past self Mm -hmm. when you have done something that's helped you now. Um, Because if we don't take that moment to reflect back on why that thing was helpful, then it can seem like we're just in a bit of a slog. Whereas where we recognise that doing something now is kind to our future self and we feel good about that, then it makes it easier for us to repeat those actions. So if you're listening to this and you are like me, from this point onwards, you will always be asking yourself, come on, present self, how can we be kinder to future self? Um, and it's amazing what you can get done. I think that one of the other areas where it's important to think about kindness is also being a kind leader. And I think sometimes we don't always associate kindness with leadership. Potentially, I think, because it can be viewed as a weakness. And I really like this phrase that I've come across, which is um, being a leader is like being a happy warrior. And it's that idea that kindness and strength and success don't need to contradict each other. One of the really interesting things I found out was researchers at Oxford University analysed hundreds of papers that studied the relationship between kindness and happiness. And they found 21 studies that proved that being kind to others makes us happy. And we know from other research that happy people are more productive at work than unhappy people. So as a leader, not only are you likely to be more productive if you are kind to others, but as we've already talked about, 
that kindness can be contagious. And if you are kind to the people that you lead, they will be kind to each other. Um, and as a result, you may even see them being more productive. That's really interesting. I guess it's thinking about looking after the mental health and well-being of your staff to increase productivity, which means kindness and success can go hand in hand. And like you say, we often think of a successful leader as someone who is not necessarily thinking of others, not lifting other people up, you know, maybe ruling with an iron fist, and maybe that's not the way to success. I think you're right. And I think that link that you made there to caring about your staff's well-being is really important because sometimes I think we see character as completely innate and not something that needs to be practiced. And so you might identify somebody as a leader who is, you know, naturally kind. Whereas I think what we really would want to see um, is a leader who practices kindness, intentionally creates opportunity to um, be kind to the, to the people that they lead. Um, and I think there are a number of ways that a leader can be purposeful in their kindness. So I think, you know, maybe the most obvious is celebrating the success of others and recognizing people for the good work they've done and doing this in a way that is kind. So making sure that you are specific about your praise, that you are sincere, that you are genuine. I think the other thing that leaders can do is be be purposeful in how they support the people that they lead and making sure that they are kind when they do that. So questions like, how can I help you? Um, rather than, you know, this is not in my job. And again, I think questions like, how can I help you? Are not about being kind so that you let someone get away with something. Um, it's about that sort of offering that support structure um, for them to be able to really change their situation. Um, I think the third way that a leader can be intentionally kind is by planning how they give feedback. Um, you know, we can't ignore the fact that sometimes as leaders, we have to tell employers that they're not meeting expectations um, and that we have to have these difficult conversations. But actually, and I've definitely experienced this, if somebody, if, if your leader or your manager has that conversation with you where they explain to you, you know, what's going on, what's maybe not good enough, but they do that with kindness, can actually really build and develop trust with the other person. Um, and then I think Finally, for, for leaders, it's that idea of you know, just caring about the people that you work with as people. Um, and as I said, intentionally finding opportunities to be kind. So making sure that you care about and aware of maybe their personal responsibilities or their health concerns or, you know, what, what their relationships, you know, how their relationships are in their lives. And I think... Um, even though random acts of kindness are really important and, and we hear a lot about random acts of kindness, I think 
one of the things as a leader and as an adult that we can demonstrate and model is actually thinking about intentional acts of kindness and purposeful acts of kindness and creating opportunities in our personal work life to, to practice kindness. So yeah, I think that's really interesting. I think we hear a lot about random acts of kindness and um, one of the, the kind of challenges that I've come across in looking about kindness online is about being a reactivist, um, which I do quite like, um, the idea that you can set out for the day to be a reactivist and do some random acts of kindness. I think they get a lot of attention because we're doing it for people we don't necessarily know. They may be gestures which seem larger than things that we could do within our own family or our own workplace or community. Um, and I think often they're the ones that are publicised on social media, you know, that this customer gave a tip of however much to a waitress or here's somebody um, giving a surprise haircut to a homeless person or these sorts of things. I think the random acts of kindness um, can definitely have a ripple effect because if you witness somebody doing something, I think we mentioned this earlier, if you witness somebody doing a kind act, that can actually ripple out um, three people from the original act. So then you're more likely to do a random act of kindness yourself, which is, is really cool. You know, if you're spotting someone a coffee because they don't have enough money um, or you're picking up somebody's phone and chasing after them down the street or holding the lift door for someone and that makes somebody else likely to do it, then that does support and give them weight to building a kind community. But like you say, these intentional acts of kindness are really, really important and trying to, to kind of make it sticky. Um, Stephanie Patron has a really interesting TED talk about sticky acts of kindness, which I also really like um, because I think intentional practicing of kindness is something that we've really all got to do to build that character strength within us. Um, and I think you're, I think one leads the other. So the other day I went to get coffee and at my local coffee shop and I um, bought a slice of cake. And when I got home, I saw that they had given me two, which was really nice of them, um, which I guess is a random act of kindness. And as a, as a result of that, that evening when I ordered takeout, I mean, it doesn't sound like the healthiest day, it probably wasn't, but that evening when I ordered takeout, um, I gave my takeout driver a $10 tip um, because I know that they're sort of really struggling at the moment, certain people in terms of COVID-19. And I guess it felt like a nice thing to do to give the delivery driver a $10 tip. So I think you're definitely right. Those random acts of kindness um, just remind you and like reignite that spark that there are lots of opportunities in the day that we don't always take advantage of. To, to do something nice to, for somebody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's, it's those opportunities, we've got to be on the lookout for them. You've got to notice the opportunity and then make a decision to take that opportunity and do something with it. And whether it is something small, like making your partner a cup of tea or doing the washing up or prepping something for dinner so that it's easier for later or whether it's something maybe bigger and more noticeable like a $10 tip for your delivery driver I think is all about spotting those opportunities and making the most of them. And I think as teachers um, and as educators is one of the reasons that I really like this whole positive psychology character strength movement because 
I think in the past, you think about, especially a junior primary school classroom, I think historically, we've spent a lot of time teaching children about the behaviours that we don't want to see. Mm. So, you know, we, we don't want you to, to leave people out. We don't want you to be unkind. Um, and a lot of the sort of education around that has been about preventing unkind behaviours. And I think when you do that, you lose that ripple effect. Whereas yeah. I think in the classroom or as a parent, if your focus is really on promoting those kind behaviours, looking for those opportunities to practice and promote those kind behaviours, I think you're going to see a greater impact and a, and a more sticky um, sort of understanding of why we want to proactively be kind to others. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's always easier for children but people in general to make good changes and good progress if they know what to do rather than what not to do so like you say focusing on not bullying doesn't necessarily give you a direction whereas focusing on being inclusive speaking kindly to each other sharing taking turns being a good loser all of these things it's much clearer for a child to know what they're supposed to be developing and know what they're supposed to be practicing. Um, so I think it does make it much easier to, to develop good citizens and people that we want to have around us in the future. I think that's for adults too. I think where we can have proactive guidance on positive behaviour, it's always going to be more helpful than guidance on how to avoid negative behavior so one of the things that just sprung to my mind then when you were talking about sort of doing that with young people is with adults um there's this thing called the norms of collaboration which were sort of first come up with in the late 1990s by um two men called garmston and wellman and they're essentially a set of guidelines to promote effective and positive collaboration between a group of adults and one of the ones that I really try to hold on to is this idea of presuming positive intention in somebody else so if you're sat in a group of people trying to meet a, a goal or a target or plan something and you, you don't agree or you think that somebody is being difficult if you can just flip that mindset and give them the benefit of the doubt, assume their positive intention. It's much easier, I think, then to react kindly to, to their ideas and thoughts. Um, so yeah, I think for both adults and children, wherever we can have that directional guidance that promotes this sort of pro-social, intentional, kind behavior, I think that's always going to be an advantage. Absolutely. I think in any kind of positive psychology where we're focusing on what helps people to thrive rather than what avoids um, negative effects or um, kind of illness, mental illness, um, it's really important to have that intentionality. And there was research that does an act of kindness every day for seven days will feel significantly happier than other people who don't do that intentional act of kindness. And that in fact, the amount of happiness is proportionate to the number of kind acts. 
So if we are looking away to kind of boost our mood or feel better about ourselves and our lives, um, actually just reaching out and being kind and taking those moments is one excellent way of doing that. It sounds like being kind to others is really beneficial to me as an individual. So I guess I'm wondering, is that a good enough reason to be kind to others? Well, I suppose this brings us into maybe a little bit of a philosophical ground here, doesn't it? About is it really kindness if you're getting benefit from it? You know, there's discussions around altruism and um, so on. But for me, I think it really is okay to feel good about doing something kind for somebody else. I think if the intention there is to help somebody out, to make them feel better, to do something kind for them, then that is genuine kindness as opposed to just doing it to make yourself feel better. And I think there's also a big difference between being proud of something that you've done, just feeling the, the benefits of that kindness for yourself and maybe bragging about it or telling the world, you know, I think we see a few of these things online and it always grates on me a little bit when there's somebody shoving a phone in a homeless person's face while they hand them a happy meal. And to me, that's kind of stepping over the boundaries of what is kind. It would have been kind for them to give them a happy meal because that was intended to be a, a, a nice gesture. But once it becomes much more about promoting myself over and above, then that might be a little bit different. I guess that's a real challenging fine line though, isn't it? Because on the one hand, I agree with you, sort of self-promotion because of an act of kindness can be quite difficult to swallow. But then on the other hand, if we're thinking about that ripple effect, if I see on the news or social media, um, you know, let's take social media, somebody personally talking about how much money they've raised for a good cause or charitable acts that they've done, I might be more inclined to do that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it is it is a fine line. Um, and I suppose it depends a bit on, are you doing this for, for example, charity? where they will always be grateful for those donations and you're not forcing somebody else into a situation where they have to accept that kindness in order to play a part in your self-promotion? Or is this, for example, you know, pushing a meal onto somebody who may or may not have asked for it, may or may not have given permission to be part of your video and may or may not want to be featured in your social media posts? Um, I think there's a, a few layers there that you can unpick. Um, and absolutely, I think we know we've talked about if people witness a kind act, they're more likely to do it. So it's not about not doing the kind act and it's not necessarily about not talking about or not sharing that kind act. I think it's just about being aware of when the purpose of having other people see the kind act or sharing the kind act overtakes the um, genuineness of the kind act. So what would you say in a situation, for example, where, I know, you, you've got two siblings and a parent says to a child, um, if you are kind to your brother and you share your toys, then 
I will award you later on. Okay, so I guess that in some ways is about making it explicit for children that kindness given will often come back in a different way. Okay. We're thinking about that ripple effect. We're thinking about sometimes we've got to suck up what we don't want to do and do it to be kind to somebody else and that reward comes later. Um, I think we've got to be careful that we're not using that all the time because what we don't want to engender is I'm only doing this kindness so that I get something back because then that's that's slightly moving away from kindness and moving more into a transaction. Okay, yeah, I understand. I mean, I guess as parents and teachers, we also have to find ways where we're able to teach other characteristics like humility, for example. So you know, if you were kind to somebody else, not shouting about it. And I guess that's a, that's a harder lesson to teach over time. Yeah, and I think kindness isn't just one thing. Like you say, there's lots of other aspects that come into it, like prudence, like humility, like patience. Um, so every act of kindness will be slightly different and there'll be different things that we can emphasize within those those moments of kindness. Um, so it's hard to give like a hard and fast rule about different scenarios, apart from trying to apply some balance and not always use one approach. I don't really like the phrase, you have to be cruel to be kind, but the idea that sometimes you have to be honest and that is the kindest thing to do, even if that honesty, for example, might cause short-term pain for somebody else. Um, you know, obviously, you try to be honest in a way that is kind, but I, I guess that's another thing to think about, isn't it? That sometimes we have to do things that are difficult and they are the kindest things to do. And they don't always look like um, sort of how you expect them to look. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they don't feel like a kindness to the person that's receiving them um, at the time. But I think that's where it's that genuineness of trying to do the right thing for the person. Um, if that is overweighing and you're trying to deliver those messages in a, in a kind way, like you're saying, um, is ultimately a kindness. You know, preventing your best friend from buying a top which really doesn't flatter her is probably kinder than allowing her to go out in it but there are ways that you can give that message such as you know I really think I preferred the other top rather than my god that makes you look terrible yeah there's there's a kindness within that but ultimately the act of perhaps preventing somebody from looking silly is the kindest thing that you can do in that situation it's been really interesting to look at kindness from a number of different angles and definitely given me some food for thought and really motivated me to be more intentional around my acts of kindness and to seek out opportunities to be kind, which I guess coincides quite well with um, our focus on kindness during Mental Health Week. Absolutely. There was um, a quote in the Stephanie Patron TED Talk that I really liked. Um, and she said, there are 7 billion people in this world. If you cannot find a kind person, be one. Mm -hmm.